You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the Amazon.com or Fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over to Rossi. It's loose, and Bergeron scores! Patrice Bergeron! Yeah, buddy. Guess what, guys? The 2017-18 Boston Bruins season is finally here. The summer has been long enough. I don't know. I guess it's been 164 days of no Bruins hockey, but we've been talking about it all summer, and it's finally here. Rob, welcome. Court, welcome. I am just absolutely pumped. I am so pumped. I am doing this. Oh, (laughs) the sweet sound of a nice cold beer to start off Bruins hockey for the new upcoming season. What's going on, guys? Are you feeling it? Oh, yeah. Uh, it has been a long wait, but it's finally back. So happy. So I, happy. I can sense the excitement in your voice, Rob. It almost went up an octone. <laughs> well, uh, here in here in England, we have a bleak outlook on life. And the only thing that that's was... keeping me going is Bruins hockey. So. I thought that was just the weather. Well, yeah. yeah. It's okay. It's raining <laughs> here, so I've got your weather right now. Yeah, we, we, oh, we... Thanks. Here in the studio in Amesbury, Massachusetts, it is uh, sunny, and and the next minute it's very cloudy and dreary. So, my three day weekend is not going very well, the weather wise, but it's going very good. When we uh, get ready to talk about some Bruins hockey, uh, guys, the, the season kicked off on Thursday night, and and it was a, it was a, it was a good win. It was um, a fast win. It was a win that you can build on from this team that is that it did insert some youth um, players into it. And it's just really exciting to get things kicked off at TD Garden on Thursday with a 4-3 win over the Nashville Predators. Um, I like what I'm seeing so far. It's only game one, 81 games to go. But um, y- you have to love the... The, the McAvoys, the Pasternak's, the, the Jake DeBrusque's additions uh, to this team. Um, I, I, I thought it was a decent game. There's a lot of things that can be worked on. Um, it seems like McAvoy had some uh, first-game jitters, uh, uh, costly penalty, but... Um, Seized. You got to plural that one. Penalties. Right, right. Six uh, minutes. Woo! Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, tough. Yeah, but the, those... Those two holding calls were good penalties to take. 
he stopped really good scoring chances with both of them penalties. Mm, usually, I, when those the, those penalties he had to take was because he was caught out of position. I'm yeah. sorry. I I love the kid. I'm still picking him for the Calder. I thought that he played. He may have scored, but defensively, he was terrible. Oh, I wouldn't say terrible, but he had a bad game for what he played like during the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, he, he played like he'd never played in the NHL before. It was weird. Like just like what Rob, um, Mark was saying, the jitters. It was weird how he. It was like he was gripping his stick a little too tight. Yeah. Well, he he looked to he looked like he was trying to step up on anyone that came across the blue line. Yeah. And I know on the I think it was Colin Smith who he held on the first call. That was a yeah. He dropped the shoulder like he was going to go for a hit, and didn't expect the guy to like just go around him. So I yes. think he's just adapting to the speed of the NHL. I mean, if this was college hockey, he probably would have laid a hit on a guy there, but it's not. It's the NHL. So And, and scary stat, he had six minutes in penalties, but he also was second on the team in ice time with 22 minutes. So oh. I honestly think he would have been the leading minutes if he didn't get the penalties because his, his power play time, he had four minutes on the power play. He got out there shorthanded. For 56 seconds so that's not bad but 22 minutes with six minutes in penalties all right with him with him being a rookie in his first regular season game and those minutes that you just said court i uh, give me yep. the number of minutes uh zidane chara uh totaled 2333 so th- they're this they're still not on him getting lower time and and anybody else that's younger than him more time obviously i I honestly think that Chara got more ice time because of McAvoy was in the box. Because Chara well, has to yeah, play on the penalty kill. That doesn't make sense. And Tory Krug's not in the lineup. Yeah. Chara, Chara had six minutes and 48 seconds just on shorthanded alone of his ice time. I really think he wouldn't have got the ice time if we didn't get so many stupid penalties. Right. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I didn't see that. Seven but, penalties? That's – yeah, it was bad. Game and one. they were very lucky at the fact that Ryan Ellis is out injured for the mm-hmm. Nashville Predators, because that guy is a weapon on their power play. Yeah, with PK. Yeah, him and PK Subban together on the point are near enough unstoppable. Uh, and they kind of got lucky, because I think it was Kevin Fiala that was taking his spot on the uh, point, and he doesn't tend to shoot slap shots from there. So it, it, they got lucky with that matchup. Now, on the good news front, you if you look at the uh, Carlo and Kevin Miller, both 20 minutes plus on the ice. So I really do think I, I, I get your point, Mark. I really do think Char's ice time wouldn't be as high. if It wasn't as many penalties. Yeah. So I look at it like McQuaid got 13 minutes, but he also had a five minute major. So going back um, to Thursday night's game, uh, the first period, uh, David Pasenak, uh seems to be on a roll to uh, break his 70 point. Uh, career high of last season with uh, his first goal in the first period. And the second period was definitely owned by the Bruins youth with Jake DeBrusque and Charlie McAvoy each getting their first NHL career goals. And Brad Marchand in the third period uh, with an empty netter. Um, Lots of good things. to. um, I I understand the penalty frustration. I get that. It's the first game jitters, I believe. Um, I think things are going to get better. I know Cassidy is definitely going to 
uh, jump on that. Uh, I'm sure the next couple of days of practices, uh, yesterday, today, tomorrow, and the games that are leading up to next week, uh, I think things are going to tighten up a little bit. I, I, at least I hope so anyway, but I did see a lot of good things. I, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I thought it was funny, though, that the, the first goal that Vras gave up was uh, the, the starting point of the hate. Um, that, that, that's never going to stop, and I'm just uh, – sometimes they get sick oh, of that it. Was it's just sometimes beyond ridiculous. Beyond bad coverage. Beyond bad coverage in front of the net. Right. Beyond. Like, he was in the slot. He's in a – any NHL player, if they're right there and they get the puck like they did, if they don't score, they got a problem. Like, Arvidsson's a good hockey player. Yeah. You're going to put him in the slot and let him just stand there? Un- un- no one even touched him. It was like literally just, oh, don't worry about it. Just do what you got to do. They left Rask out to dry on that one. And did you, that stop that he had? I think it was in the first period where he he made a a blind save on a point shot and then it bounced straight out to an open guy and no one had him and he got his, the pad across. That was a uh, great save. I'm not defending it, but I thought he played a good game. Yeah, he did. Um, it, the score doesn't show what kind of a game he played. Uh, it, yeah. It's kind of funny if you, um, here in Canada uh, on Sportsnet, so Montreal won an overtime 3-2 and they were praising the play of Carey Price. Even though we win 4-3, we dump on Tuka Rask. Yeah. It was just the team didn't look the same at the end of the third. No. Uh, that, well, you mean the last five minutes? Well, yeah. They just... Ugh. Well, they did it They did it at the end of every period. End so of the last... first. End of the first, they did the same. End of the second, it started to look very similar. And then end of the third was just atrocious. It was the coverage in front of the net. They decided to not do it. I, I thought Carlo was probably one of our best defensemen on the ice. I, I know some people have disagreed with me um, in social media, but I thought he played a very solid game. Um, he didn't fall, okay? I didn't see him falling all over the ice like I used to. He was, he was strong on his skates. He, was, he was, wasn't making stupid passes out of the zone. Uh, he left that up to Frank Petrano. Uh, his ice time uh, accumulated zero pretty much after that nice play that he made. Um, but I thought Carlo played very well. I mean, I thought I thought uh, Matt Grizzly had a good game as well, but he wasn't. I think he had first game jitters as well. But hey, he, he got some power. Did anyone back. else see McQuaid skating the puck? He looks like a totally different player out there. Yeah, I mean, sometimes he looks like Adam McQuaid, but then other times he was picking the puck up, skating to the red line. He, he, led the back, he led the back end with three shots. Oh. Which is, which is how many hits did he get as well? Because I know he crunched Colin Smith. I thought he got more than bench. two. They're only, they're only crediting with two. I thought I saw more than two, but hey. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was a good hit as well on Colin Smith. That I thought it was going to be a penalty afterwards because they, uh, they called a whistle on it, but then it turned mm-hmm. out to be a hand pass. And, yeah, because uh, that was a clean hit. Yeah, but it looked like one of them where the ref looks up, sees who it is, and the guy's still on the floor and kind of goes, oh, but no, it was a hand pass. So that was but good. Uh, I, I think we can maybe all agree the player of the game was Krejci. Oh, yeah, easily. By far? Yeah. By far. He, Three assists. He led the team. Yeah, not even just that. Berger, Bergeron's out, and Krejci led that team. 
Yeah, so all, all those, all that center depth just shifted up. You know, Spooner rose up uh, to the second. Uh, Krejci mo- moved up to the first line. Uh, I thought it was a, a decent move. I mean, even though, I mean, lo- would definitely love to see Bergeron in the lineup regardless. But mm-hmm. uh, having supporting players like that below the lines and, and, and moving up when situations happen like this is not a bad thing. And and, and eat it, Krejci haters. I, I, I. I don't understand the hate for him either. You know what I mean? I get, I get the money thing. The money is always a, the biggest topic. $7 million and all you do is make assists. That's what he's paid for. Get over it. So, yeah. um, But he even got he got shorthanded time. I'm looking at stats here. He got over two minutes on the ice and yeah. shorthanded. Played with, um, was it Riley Nash that was his? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I now say that Riley Nash is Cassidy's favorite player. He played really well, though. Loves he's, Riley Nash. Yeah, he, he's got some yeah. sneakily good hands around the net as well. I thought he had some a few plays in there. Yeah. There's a there. There were a few surprises that game. I didn't realize from preseason how much bigger Spooner's got. Oh yeah, um, looks a lot stronger on on and off the puck. Uh, I th- I thought Vetrano had a good start to the game, but then just. Yeah, by his ice time, with yeah. with Achari going out in the first period or the second period, no, first first period, and Petrano only getting seven minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. not that's not good news for him. Uh, He's going to be a lot of popcorn the, this year. The <laughs> thing is, with Achari going out and it apparently being six weeks, um, then it looks like Petrano's going to keep his spot in the lineup at least for now. I know He's... everyone is calling for Gabriel to be, be called up, but it. It's not going to happen with a Toronto on waivers, right? No, and uh, isn't that Rob wouldn't that be my thunder? Wouldn't that be a positional report. thing? I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm joking. Wouldn't that be a positional thing? Um, if a Chari's going out with an injury and he's a center, I don't think the right idea is to bring up a left winger Gabriel to fill that spot. No. Zarnik would be and the, the next thing for me, ball. right? Um, well, well, according to practice lines today, Zarnik was playing. Okay. So practice lines today were Marshan, Spooner, Pasternak. I'll talk about that one after. DeBrus, Krejci, uh, Bjork, Schaller, Curley, Corrali, sorry, uh, Nash, uh, Bolesky, Zarnik, Vitrano. And so to talk about the injuries, Krug's back. Uh, he practiced full practice today. Um, hasn't been said that he's playing Monday, but it looks like he's going to be playing Monday. As, as Rob alluded to, Achari's out. Um, for six weeks with a uh, index finger fracture from blocking a shot. I know a lot of people are already saying, oh, Charlie's hurt again, but he was blocking a shot. Seriously, leave the guy alone. <laughs> and then Bergeron, I don't know. He he did skate today, but by himself, not with the team. They're saying lower body injury. There's People are saying out there that it's his back, but I can't confirm or deny that. Um, I haven't seen anywhere that uh, his back is the problem. I, I, I'm not going to guess or say what uh, could be the problem, but uh, I'm just hoping for a speedy recovery. And then we've got uh, David Backus um, with, uh, I'm going to try and say it. Diverticulitis. So, diverticulitis. There Pretty much means he's he's uh, he's got some problems with his colon and uh, it probably pretty kind of probably hurts to poop. So uh, I hope he gets better soon. 
stick a diver on that man and get him out on the ice. I know, eh? <laughs> oh, well, wasn't that wasn't that most of the calls when uh, Tuka? Yeah. when Tuka had the last game the against Ottawa? Problem. Oh yeah, <laughs> stick a diver on that guy and get him out on the ice. Oh yeah, that always works. But it's going to allow this. These injuries. Uh, all I can say is, thank God they're at the beginning of the year, and let's hope it's yeah. not a, uh, a a regular occurrence. Um, our back end is 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 rather young. Um, I'm sure, I'm gonna say it. I'm sure McQuaid's gonna miss a couple games. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. But other than that, we've, we've got a lot of speed up front. I think uh, it's gonna be a difference Bruins team, and I really hope they do not take these uh, next couple games against Colorado lightly, because Colorado, especially Matt Duchesne, is a Bruins killer. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, Him and Landeskog. Uh, for Landeskog me, usually has a mean game when it comes against the Bruins for some reason. For me, the uh, the injuries are never good. I, I don't I don't care if I like a player or not. Um, being injured sucks. I know it as a hockey player mm-hmm. myself. But what's good about this situation is is the depth. I I believe in this depth that I believe that if anybody like. If if a McQuaid does get injured, they could easily go down and look at four players on the defensive depth that they could easily step in there and be ready to go. So I like that idea. I don't like seeing injuries. It's not my favorite. You know, where would and and as I'm not a huge McQuaid fan myself, I honestly have to say that where would the Bruins be with him and others on the defensive core in last year's playoffs? Would they possibly made the second round, or still struggle against the the Ottawa Senators? I mean, McQuaid played amazing yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. So, something to think about. But uh, segue into the um, into next week's games. Uh, like Court just said, um, the the Colorado Avalanche on Monday. Uh, it's a home game at TD Garden at one o'clock in the afternoon, folks. So if you have the day off, like I do. Very lucky. Or Canada. Or Canada. And by the way, to our Canadian folks and friends and listeners, uh, please uh, have a safe and, and happy Thanksgiving weekend uh, at court that goes to you and your family. Um, Thank you. And, of course, we get hockey on Thanksgiving, not football. Hockey. Is this Emma's second Thanksgiving or first? This will be her first. Her first. She well, was born in November. Congratulations to Emma. And uh, what, do, what do you guys do up there? for? Do you guys do turkey? Yes. Okay. All right. That's cool. Yes, we, we do, do the, the same. exact same thing. Just, just turkey. Just uh, no football. Right. You know, in in my household, we just don't care. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll be at work, um, wishing that we got more than like three days off a year, and <laughs> uh, probably coming home to drown my sorrows with a beer and uh, go to sleep. Rob, couldn't you just move to like Spain and all that? Don't they get like six weeks? Well, vacation. Sweden does. Job. Sweden does. Oh, yes. I'll but, have to look into it because hey, you guys get too much time off. This is ridiculous. Hey, I get eight it's, paid holidays <laughs> off a year. I don't. I don't understand where the three hundred comes from. Well, <laughs> I think this this year there has been three national holidays, and my work has taken none of them off. So, yeah. It's always fun. You, <laughs> you know what, what's that telling? You got to restructure the labor laws, Rob. Rob. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna start a union. <laughs> no. All right. Um, uh, but yeah, have. I hope you both have good holiday weekends and 
should be a good time for you both. Thanks, pal. And then try to stay off Twitter on Monday so you can at least see the game later on when you get done with work. Well, yeah. I don't, right. I don't want to be a spoiler. It usually, <laughs> yeah, it usually involves me being at work, hiding my phone in the locker, and then getting my other half to carry it home for me so I don't have temptation to look at it. <laughs> so it's a very difficult day. But um, like going back to what we're talking about, next week's games, um, the Monday the 9th against Colorado at 1 p.m., and then they go on the road to Colorado for a 9.30 p.m. start on Wednesday night. And on Saturday, they play the Arizona Coyotes at 9 p.m. Now, the matchup against the Colorado Avalanche on Monday is going to be an interesting one. Just before the fact is, like, just a uh, court said, uh, Duchesne um, obviously came out um, and made a statement game, uh, scoring a goal. And I think he had a helper, too. But... They that team went into Madison Square Garden and beat uh, a pretty decent uh, New York Rangers team. So, when you know you're not going to really know what you're going to see until Monday afternoon or how these two teams match up. But from the way I saw on Thursday night and the start that the Bruins had uh, going through the game, kind of a sluggish second period. Good to see the rookies uh, pick it up a little bit. And then the last six minutes, I was just frightened uh, to no end because uh, we've, we've all said in the, on this show in the past that 60-minute uh, effort is not the Bruins' forte. So it's going to be a good matchup. It should be a good road trip also. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So with that being said, now that we're on the on the talk of uh, next week's games, uh, we got to do our predictions because I'm already up one on you guys. So uh, three games next week. I'm gonna say three and zero. Oh. Three and zero. Oh, wow. I'm going bold, guys. I'm I'm go- I'm putting it out there, and I'm gonna say three and zero. Oh. Just because you guys had no faith on the uh, the, the Nashville Predators game last week. I'm going to go two and one. I'm going to go the exact same as Rob. Oh, you guys are going to do oh, this all year, aren't together, you? This... Yeah. <laughs> two and one, two and one. All right, I got it marked down. We share the same queen. We might as well share the same answers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is how it's happening. I'm just looking at the schedule, and that's just how I see it. Yeah. Hey, I mean... I just, I, the one thing I'll say about this, I, I would love to be able to see them play Colorado first before I make my, even the first period even, because the problem we usually have with Colorado, as we all know, is they outskate the living daylights out of us, because Boston Bruins have always been known, and I think I was talking with you, Mark, and somebody else on uh, Twitter there, where, when was the last time we were the fastest team on the ice? Agreed. And <laughs> we're going to be, I still think we're going to be faster than the Colorado Avalanche. So maybe Mark's right, but I just the, – the skeptic in me is going to take a 2-1 just so I can, you know. See, I think I think the team that are going to beat us next week, uh, Arizona, they look scary in that first game. I, Some of the – I mean, Clayton Keller, uh, Brandon Pellini. I've got to throw in the English guy. Um, yeah, those those two played really good games, and I think Arizona's one of the fastest teams in the league as well, one of the youngest as well. So, and we usually 
we usually drop points against teams that are meant to be bad. So there you go. I, I just I'm excited for uh, next Saturday's game against the Arizona Coyotes just for the fact is that my good friend Nick Golden and he is the um, uh, co-host of the Bruins Diehards podcast with uh, John Williams and they do a fantastic job. Nick is out in Arizona covering the team uh, on an intern basis, so I just want to uh, kind of give him a little jab right there because it's his new team and i'm proud of him I'm, I'm happy that he's out there doing this and and he's you know he's definitely getting his his foot in the door so congratulations nick and and best of luck we're still gonna beat you but best of luck now it's funny when you look at the schedule when we first caught it i was like oh it's gonna be terrible because they have such a long uh wait between thursday and monday but with bergeron out i'm like the schedule gods are actually on the Bruins side. Exactly. I mean, Long, longer time in between games. Like we get usually get, you know, the end of the year where we get way too many games and uh, a back little to backs in a row there. <laughs> but this is nice. Thursday, Monday, Wednesday. It's a nice rest. But then, just as you know, next weekend, Saturday, Sunday. But then, don't play again until Thursday. So someone, maybe Jacobs in his meetings with Bettman and all the scheduled people, maybe he got a little bit pissed off. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me after last year. Jeez. And for our, our Canadian people out there, the game on Monday is the Thanksgiving Canada Day game at one o'clock. It's on. It's uh, broadcasted nationally across Canada. What Bruins Colorado? Yeah, at one o'clock. That's badass. You guys yeah, are really Sportsnet cool. Sportsnet one. Sportsnet one. So that's that's broadcast across everybody. Awesome. I'm just looking at the schedule now, and it shows it. And Sunday, there's a bunch. Bruins got a ton of games Canada this year, so no more people complaining. Right, ton of games that are nationally televised. I still, th- I still think Nesson should be broadcasted at least in the Ontario and Quebec and and uh, Maritimes area because we have a lot of followers, a lot of listeners that constantly. Can you provide a show link? Can you provide a game link? You know, it used to be Mark. It no longer is. Way back in the day, we used to get Nesson. We'd get uh, Chicago, Boston. Yeah, Chicago and Boston. We'd get those two. Uh, we don't get Nesson anymore, and I can almost guarantee it has a lot to do with the Montreal Canadiens not wanting that to happen. Oh, what a shock. Because they'd want the TV. Well, it's not that they don't want the Bruins. It's just they want the, the, the TV, right? Because yeah. here in Toronto, we're going to get all the Habs games and all the Leaf games. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, just, it's just the way it is. It's yeah, exactly. It's it's it, that's business, you know. It, it's not, yeah. you know, a hate love hate relationship. When it comes down to dollar, it's all oh, and about business. Oh, of we course, get the Sabers. Yeah. Um, recent news uh, uh, throughout the Bruins um, organization. Uh, last week, the 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 bees sent Malcolm Subban, uh, put him on waivers with the intent. Don Sweeney says the intent of placing him in the, uh, the Providence system. I, I don't know. I can't read Don Sweeney. That guy is so stone cold, it's ridiculous. But I, I just... He's awesome. Yeah, I just don't get the feeling that he's telling the truth. I think that the Bruins were actually motivated to move him, move on from him. Um, and I, I believe that the insertion of, of Dan Vladar in his first full American Hockey League season was exciting for the Bruins organization and to do something like this or hope that a team out there would grab him. But 
regardless of of what I think and so on, the the Vegas Golden Knights picks uh, Malcolm Subban up, and he immediately uh, is making an impact on the bench um, with uh, being the backup last last night to Mark Andre Fleury, and and Calvin Pickard uh, was waived and um, picked up and then traded. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's right. Traded and cleared waivers. Right, and got traded to the Leafs. To the to the Toronto Maple Leafs, Um, and and that kind of started a little speculation uh, from a few uh, Twitter followers of mine and some Facebook uh, personalities, uh, saying that well, why didn't they just make a trade? Why didn't the Bruins and and the Golden Knights make a trade for Calvin Pickard and Malcolm Subban? And I kind of thought about it for a little bit and 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 when you when you break it down and especially in a business aspect calvin pickard makes a million dollars a year so even if he's not gonna be your backup because hudobin's already there and you're gonna bury him in the pro in the american hockey league with providence uh, th- that million dollars is still capable money at the nhl level will, level so we don't we don't we don't have the cap space we wouldn't been able to make the deal well, we have a little bit over two million dollars, but I'd rather have a full two million wiggle room than have one no. million or under. Our cap space right now is two hundred seventy thousand. What? Eight thirty-three. Oh my two, god! Two current cap space two hundred seventy-five thousand two hundred seventy-three. I am going to capfriendly.com right now, which is literally like... looking at it right now. Oh, oh. deadline cap Weird. space is one point two million dollars. Holy crap. It's because we've got so many guys injured. We've got so many guys on the IR, so we had to bring I, up all these guys from the minors. That's why we brought uh, that's, that's why, why I have the best co-hosts yeah, around. Extra I didn't so, even think of that. If for all the fans out there, I thought I looked at this the other day. I almost guarantee there might have been a trade on the table for Malcolm Subban, but because of cap restrictions, they couldn't do a deal and had to let him go. Now, if he does well in Vegas, good for him. He wasn't it's just like Ryan Spooner. Love the guy. He's the third line center of the Boston Bruins. That's all he's ever going to be, unless Krejci and, and Bergeron aren't here. And unfortunately, on the depth chart wise for Subban, he wasn't going anywhere. He did not play Hudobin in the in this year in the preseason, so it is what it is. Right. Yeah. But if you look, because of all the play, all the injuries, and we had to bring up all these guys, you have two guys on the IR. That means you had to fill two roster spots. Which, if they're even making seven twenty five like Achari is, or seven seventy five like Schaller is, there's your two million bucks. Now. Now here's... Plus Vegas, Vegas has something that the Bruins wanted, and that would be a bottom six left-handed defenseman. Yeah, uh, Vegas has nine defensemen right now. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. So well, they they could have traded for someone quite good, but couldn't fit them in. Well, I have a funny feeling Vegas they pissed off enough people with this expansion draft on how they handled things that. Uh, it, because McPhee's saying no one wants to talk to him. I think he just pissed people off for a bit, and they're just going to let him sit on it for a bit. Yeah. Now, as a conspiracy... Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, I, I just found it funny that I think Toronto had already like sorted that trade out because it looks like as soon as he was claimed off waivers and Pickett was sent down, Leafs didn't pick Pickard up because they'd have to waive him again. Correct. They'd have to have him clear waivers. Yeah. So they waited till he cleared and then traded for him so he can stay in the AHL because Curtis McElhaney, who's the backup in Toronto, would right. also have to clear waivers to go to the AHL. Yeah. So, hey, Lou Lamorello is the king 
of circumventing the cap. Loophole, the, the genius. The, 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 second stri- the second strike had a lot to do with how he was circumventing the cap, and they had to fix it. Yeah. Now, as a as a as a former goaltender myself, and, and a follower of everything in the crease, and I, I think Rob, you you probably kind of go along with me on this, but the last goalies are weird. Yes, we are weird. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, but I see things uh, very repetitive when it comes to goaltending. And, and when it comes to Malcolm Subban, since he became uh, um, a Bruin and, and, and played in the organization throughout his uh, three-year entry-level deal, I've noticed that every year that he's come into camp, he's got a brand-new mask. Now, yeah. um, I understand that mask, uh, the paint, and the mask itself can be very expensive. But when you make a lot of money like these guys do on the ice, you have that cash. And you have it available enough to have your work done at a certain point of time. Now, the reason why I'm saying that is because Malcolm had a mask ready the past three seasons. This camp, he came in with a completely white mask. And that, to me, that to me tells... My, my the, the 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 mice in my head start turning the wheels and think that this is a one of those things that he's trying to do against the organization. Um, also, to prepare himself for not to be in the Bruins organization much longer. So yeah, I mean, I think he just knew that he was going to have to clear waivers, and he might get picked in up. His in yeah, in his head, he's a big prospect. Like, you've seen it in interviews when they talk to him. He has quite a bit of confidence about him. Um, I think he ha- he holds himself as a talented prospect, especially with goaltenders who we all know, we've all seen the tweets about Tim Thomas not making the NHL till 30. Like, we all understand that some of them take a bit longer to develop. But I think he just thought he was good. Thought he was going to get claimed on waivers. Didn't bother creating a mask for a team that he's not going to play for. Right. But at the same time, it, it's just it was a weird situation that they held him till the last minute. Like yeah. it was, it wasn't it like an hour before rosters had to be sorted that he was waived. Yes. It, it was. It was literally last second. I think they were trying to get a pick for him. I really do. So they hang on to him for as long as they could? Yeah, I think they were trying to dump him for a pick to a team. And teams started to work out that he was going to go on the waiver wire. And just said, well, why are we going to give you a pick? We can pick him up on waivers. And Las Vegas got there first. So I, I think if Las Vegas didn't claim him, someone else was going to. I really think Vancouver were in on him. Um, just because of yeah, Jordan? Just, well, yeah, because of Jordan and uh, I know that the really family-orientated family uh, there was talk that PK had talked with the Habs about getting both uh, Jordan and Malcolm picked by the Habs, but it didn't work out. So, it's just one of them things. Right. But the, the problem I have with Malcolm Subban is He's a flashy goaltender. He likes to throw himself about. He likes to make the highlight reel save. 
Uh, and as we saw in camp, when he doesn't make the highlight reel save, when he goes for it, he gets really frustrated and loses his head. Exactly. And 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 and, and many listeners have known that I've hammered this kid, you know, and, and just... Oh, we lost Rob. I, I've hammered him. I've hammered Malcolm Subban, so... I, 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 and it's not because I don't like him. I don't think he's athletic. I don't think he's a good goaltender. But I do believe that he is going to have a better opportunity to get what he needs with another franchise. And a franchise like Las Vegas, it would be so much suitable for him in, in his future. Uh, just, just the way Tuka Rask, is, uh, his, his, his contract is structured. Um, Four I'm, more years. I, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't see Subban anywhere near a starting goaltender anywhere between then and now. With Rask as your starter, or Zane McIntyre, I, I I don't see a future in him either in the NHL. But I, I believe that the Bruins are going to start to really replenish that goaltending depth um, uh, in 2018. Uh, they got to they got to select the goaltender in the, at least the second or third round. That's just my well, thought. They just they just signed a prospect, didn't they? Yeah, Ka- I'm going to go check him out. He's the the goalie for the uh, Oshawa Generals. Yeah. yeah, Kaiser. Yeah. So I'm going um, to two games in December and January. Nice. Those are the two games. They, if they go after another goaltender, they're never going to pick in the first round again. Yeah. I, no. I, I just well, think they know that they're jinxed with it. I mean, they would have picked. They, I guarantee they would have picked Oranger. If Oranger had dropped to Bruins, they would have picked him. But they didn't get a chance. If you look at if you look at Tukarask's contract and you look at the way he's playing and you look at his age, which is 30, which is yeah. uh, very young for a goaltender. The Bruins don't need his contract ends at 2021. They don't even need a goalie to even be sniffing at Tuca until 2019. Right, but you, you still got to you still got to get those guys in there. Even like, oh like, yeah, for like, sure. But that could be Vladar. That could be Vladar. Right, he's my dark horse. Right, because it ain't Zane McIntyre. And like like Rob yeah. was saying, uh, if you pick a guy like Ottinger who just got done with his uh, his freshman year. That gives him so much more time because you basically have three more years of NCAA hockey that you can you could you can count on, and then after that, it's like now you got Rask for one more season, so you could put like a, a guy like Ottinger in the AHL for one more year, and then bam! I mean, his insertion right in there kind of fits like a glove. I mean, that's just me, but well, in the system now, you got five what you'd call rookie goaltenders. So you got Swayman, you got the guy that they just signed. Sorry, I Kaiser. forgot what his name is. Kaiser. Kaiser. And then you've got Vladar. Well, you had Malcolm Subban, but he's gone. So that mm-hmm. takes one of them. Right. And then you've got Zane McIntyre. So you've got four goaltending prospects. Zane McIntyre, I believe, isn't going to... I think he's the next Nicholas Fedberg. Ugh. I think he's going to have a year at backup next year. Realize he's not there because Vladar's getting a full season in Providence next year. If he does come up, there's nowhere for him to go back down, so they'll no, just get rid of him. Well, Zane's waiver exempt as of right now. Yes. Yeah, but what they did with Fedberg is they said, "Like we've got prospects coming up, you might as well go to Europe." Basically, yeah. And, and didn't didn't he go to another NHL team first, and then just yeah? Didn't he go to Anaheim? No, he went to Minnesota. 
Oh god. And he went through yeah. their camp and went through their preseason, and then he didn't make it. So I don't know exactly where he is now, but his return to the he's NHL. He's playing is... in Europe. He oh he went back he's to in... Europe. Uh, I think he's either in the SHL or the SM Liga, one of the two. I can't remember which. One. Hmm. But um, yeah, I I just I see that as a revolving door until they get someone who can come in, play for, like their first year as a backup, solid, like twenty games, solid performances, young, and they can keep with it because that's what they need. They need a young guy who can play maybe four to five years as backup. Get the experience in. As soon as Tuka's ready, you take over. Yeah. It's what, it, you're not you're not going to get a rookie to go in there, play one season as backup, and then boom, you're a starter. It just doesn't work like that with goaltending, unless you, Matt Murray. But <laughs> by the way, you 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 do happen to look a little like Matt Murray. Oh, thanks. No, I mean that's I I mean that with a sincere, you know. Does he does he have sunburn on the back of his neck like Matt Murray has from his first two games? Must be must be for that Ooh. shine. Must be that shine from those two Stanley Cups in one uh, year. Yeah, it was blinding him. So then the red light in the back of him just kept burning him. <laughs> Holy yeah. Pittsburgh! So now he's got a red neck and a tanned face. Think about this: Pittsburgh Penguins are defending Stanley Cup champions. Their fan base <laughs> is not dumping on their goalie right now or the team. If Boston would have put up those two games that Pittsburgh put up, we would want the whole team gutted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gutted. Oh, yeah. But. Then again, not. Cassidy, he, he he gives the best interviews so far. His interviews after those two games would have been amazing. Oh, my God. You know the only good, you know the best thing about that 10-1 game? It looked like a video game? I have Patrick Kane on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> There's always an angle. <laughs> the, the the best moment was I was watching that game and I was going, holy crap, Patrick Kane is just unreal. And then I realized I went, holy crap, I have Patrick Kane. Thank you. So it, it it's just always fun to see the Pittsburgh Penguins just absolutely crap their bed. It's so fun. Best thing ever. Hey, uh, before I get to the, my prospect re- report, the first full prospect report, I'd like to um, uh, take advantage of the the questions for the uh, What You Brewing mailbag. Um, we have one mailbag from uh, patreon.com slash black and gold hockey blog, ho- hockey podcast. Sorry for hacking that one up. Um, Hollis Jackson, uh, Asks, uh, what did you think of the defensive pairings and performance in the Nashville game? I thought they were pretty good. Although, hey, Rob's gone. Although, you know, Krug, back. Krug was oh. out. Like, I, I think I already discussed it. I thought Carlo played, I thought Carlo was the best defenseman on the ice. Um, Char was the next best defenseman. And then uh, McAvoy, just for his offensive outputs and the way he played on the power play. He just played scared. I, I'm sure. I can, I'm can. i still sticking with my prediction because, um, as, as Mark knows, um, a fan of ours was chirping me on Twitter. Um, but then uh, literally two seconds later, McAvoy scored. So that was awesome. But uh, McAvoy, I still think, is going to win the Calder. I still think he's going to be the future of this defense. 
um, with with Carlo. But I thought the pairings played well, but you got Krug back, right? So we'll see what happens. Yeah, after for was, me, sorry, soon to be back. For me, after game one, uh, it's it with the injuries, like you said, to Krug and so on. I mean, there was a lot of good positive things, but there's a lot of things that have to be worked on when uh, key players are out of the lineup and and a new player like Matt Grizzlick comes in, even though I did think he played well, like like Rob said. Mm-hmm. So, but like, think how good the power play is going to be with McAvoy and Krug back there, right? Oh, right. Like Krejci doesn't have to, or Spooner. You don't have to have them back there anymore doing anything back there. You can have them buzzing around other places. You have McAvoy and Krug passing that puck back and forth. Whoa. I feel bad for the opposing team. Right. Rob, you going in and out, bud? He's gone. Oh, that sucks. Um, anyway, back to, the que- back to the questions. Um, I'm back. All right. <laughs> Uh, I called out a former Bruins player, and it wrecked my connection. Oh, so. shit. The, the Jordan Karan uh, curse lives. Don't say it. Oh, God. Ah. Oops. <laughs> uh, back to the mailbag questions. Uh, just because Hollis was the only one, I reached out on Twitter and asked uh, some of the uh, followers. At uh, ChrisTheHood420, love the name, Um on Twitter said, would you guys be opposed to a Krug and McAvoy pairing? I, and I'll go first. Yes, I would just, it's just, it's a size factor. Um, I would like to see them matched up with a, with a bigger, like I wouldn't mind seeing a Krug and a McQuaid or a McAvoy and a Chara. You know what you guys know what I'm saying? Not only are you adding a, a little experience, but a little, a little grit, a little size, on the back end to move those players in front of the crease that uh, trying to create havoc in front of uh, Rask, Hudobin, whoever else uh, uh, mans the crease that particular time. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not big on having um, two smaller statured players uh, matched up together. And it's just just my thought, of course. Um, I I just wouldn't have that pairing together because that's your power play pairing. So. You, you'd want to mix it up so they're not straight back on the ice or anything. Um, plus, like you said, it's a it's a bit of a it's not size thing for me. It's more the they both have the same skill set. Really, they're both offensive type defensemen like to jump up in the rush. I just wouldn't want them caught out. So uh, and Kruger McQuaid might look bad on on TV, but their Corsi ratings are unreal. Right. So, yeah. Uh, they they play, the some of their times that they play, they play like a top two pairing. So, yeah, I'd keep them together. Do to play devil's advocate? Because you know what I wanted at the beginning of the year? I would love to just see it for a couple games and see how it works. Yeah. I want to see those. I would love to see the outlet passes from those two and watch other teams just go, I don't know what to do. They just don't know what to do. Yeah, why not? It'd be like small being on the power play. Yeah, give it a couple games. Just, just give it to me because size don't mean anything in this game. Speed means everything. And with those two back there, I don't know. Maybe Crew can help out for McAvoy with his turning. The yeah. thing is, that's probably the future pairing because yeah. all you really have on the left side is Tory Krug, um, and then your your best defenseman on the right side is McAvoy. So. At some point, we're going to see it. 
it's just depends what it looks like. Um, the second question uh, from Twitter is from at Tashville four hundred one, and he says, uh, "Will Noachari have a role on this team in six weeks after his return from injury, or can someone steal his job?" And he asks, "Who could be that player?" Sean Corelli. Mm. I'm gonna say Austin Zarnick just because I like I like um, I like Austin. I like his game. I like I like the way he plays. But um, Corelli's another solid, solid player, and in the in the depth um, with one more year of auditioning to go before he's gonna need a, a new deal. I, I mean, well, they're both both are FAs next yes, year. Yes, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Absolutely right. But Corrali just plays the similar type. Austin Zarnick is the replacement for Spooner if um, the uh, if he gets a little too antsy and maybe wants out because he's not going to go up the death chart anytime soon. So Austin Zarnick would be perfect third line center and probably wouldn't be a problem being there. I'm going to say no one takes Nolachari's job once he's back. I think he comes straight back in and goes straight back to what he does best, which is penalty killing and shutting down other teams uh, and creates a lot of energy out there. Um, I don't think anybody will take a spot. No, but I think the person to fill in for him is definitely Austin Zarnick. I think he can come in and that fourth line will look more like a skilled line than a shutdown line. So... Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Court. I don't want to toot my horn, but, but according to practice right now, it is Corrali. Okay. Ah. Thank you. Um, I'm going to get into my uh, Bruins prospect report. Uh, Court, do you want to stick around or do you want to take off? I am going to have to take off. I have uh, many people in my house right now, um, but I, uh, it, was, it was awesome to be back, and uh, I'll be back for a full show next week, I promise. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, well. Do you want to drive eight and a half hours? I got a private jet. It was warmed up. I was just waiting for you to say, Mark, come on up here. Oh. Let's, let's party. Uh, well, we don't party in my house. I got a 10-month-old. <laughs> All right, brother. Listen, you have a great right. great holiday, and we will uh, definitely talk to you over the week and uh, definitely uh, get with you next week and talk about uh, some more everyone's hockey. All right, boys. Go Bees. Enjoy yourself, buddy. Take care, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Uh, okay, so now we jump into the Boston Bruins prospect report. Uh, in the American Hockey League, the Providence Bruins, uh, the American Hockey League's uh, set to start the 82nd season tonight. Uh, I'm sorry, they started the 82nd season last night, but the Providence Bruins are. Um, Baby B started the 2017 18 season tonight at the dunk and the host of Springfield. Thunderbirds at 7.05. The Providence team is entering its 26th uh, American Hockey League season as the top minor pro affiliate of the Boston Bruins. And uh, got to look at the lineup that they uh, that they um, committed to this year. And, it, Rob, it is sick. It is absolutely oh, disgusting. Yeah. Um, if you uh, Looking at the forwards, they have 15 forwards they're going to carry. Uh, and I'm just going to go down the name. I'm not going to do positional, but um, Zach Senishin, Josh Hennessy, Justin Hickman, Jesse Gabriel, Adam P- uh, Payerell, Kenny Agostino, Ryan Fitzgerald, Colton Hargrove, Anton Bleed, Peter Solarik, Jakob Sforz Barker Carlson, Chris Porter, 
Colby Cave, Jordan Swars, and Danton Heinen. That's a pretty potent uh, forward line. Uh, the defensive is uh, there's nine defensemen going to be uh, on the roster, uh, starting with Emil Johansson, Tommy Cross, Connor Clifton, Chris Breen, Sina Akalatse, Jeremy Lawson, Taylor Doherty, Jakub Zborl, and Rob O'Gara. And your goaltending uh, tandem is going to be last year's uh, number one AHL goaltender, uh, Zane McIntyre, and um, uh, future AHL and hopefully Boston Bruins goaltender Dan Vladar, who, without playing a game this season, is still undefeated from last year's uh, six or seven games that he appeared in with the Providence Bruins. So, um, uh, Jay Leach, the head coach, Spencer Cabaret, the assistant coach, and Trent Ritfield is also the assistant coach. So, um, looking to be an exciting time, and I can't wait to get things started tonight uh, when they play the Thunderbirds. Uh, the Ontario Hockey League, Jack Stunica, uh, Oshawa Generals, uh, went pointless for the first time last night in six regular season games to begin the 2017-18 season. The 2017 second round pick has nine points in six games. Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Cedric Paré of the St. John Sea Dogs. Uh, the 2017 sixth round draft pick of the Boston Bruins has one goal and one assist in seven games for the Sea Dogs. Uh, this season, and I hope he can pick it up more offensive numbers uh, in his second full season in the queue. Uh, Western Hockey League, Daniel Bukak from the Brandon Wheat Kings has not played a game still. Um, he remains on the shelf with an injury. And uh, in the NCAA, uh, this weekend it was the official kickoff to uh, uh, NCAA men's hockey. Um, Trent Frederick of the University of Wisconsin Badges uh, is entering his sophomore year and recently named assistant captain. The 2016 first-round selection has three points in two games for the Badges to start this season. Um, and Jack Becker, University of Michigan, got his first career point in the collegiate hockey ranks last night. And although he's a seventh-round pick in 2015, He's tremendous upside as a developing center and uh, definitely could add to the depth um, in the Bruins organization in the future, but um, it's good to see he get his first point in his first game in the NCAA. And that is my Bruins prospect report. So It's good to hear again. I know. I, yeah, I mean, I'm still babbling. Like, a, like I, I don't know what I'm doing, but... Um, uh, it, it's just shaking some rust off. It's going to get a lot better. Uh, with us trying to create our show, I do want to go a little longer in the future and maybe add some um, some audio from from these prospects and the, and the goals that they scored or, or highlights that they've they've added. So I got a lot of a lot of work to do ahead. So look forward to that. Um, yeah, I think that's it, my friend. I I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, a solid it's hour. Good show. Yeah, I mean, other than the, uh, the only... couple of times that I've dropped, but that's, that's all right. Bad. That's all right. <laughs> we just won't talk about that certain curse anymore. Yeah. Um. No more talk of former Bruins. <laughs> yeah. 
thank you very much for listening. Uh, please, you can you can either contribute um, and get onto the uh, what you brew in mailbag with the highest priority uh, through Patreon dot com slash black and gold hockey podcast um if you donate a dollar to our show to help cut the costs uh you have like i said the highest priority of questions that we answer and then we'll go to to questions that are from our non-patrons so uh you can also find us and support us and share and comment and give us a review on apple podcasts google play iHeartRadio, grandstand sports network um player.fm, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Um, thank you very much for another week. Uh, we, we definitely psyched to get kick off this, this year and, and bring you uh, weekly updates on, on our favorite team. So I'm pumped. I'm ready. Yeah. And I'm ready to get, get more involved with more games uh, per week instead of just the one that we had last week. So Yeah. 81 remaining. That's right. I can't wait. Uh, again, thank oh, you very much for listening. Thank you very much for listening. Rob, thanks you for hanging out. Uh, and thank you for... That's all good, buddy. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely talk to you over the week and um, set a show schedule for next weekend. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Hey, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast listeners. We have an extra bonus on this episode 66. Uh, I had a chance to talk to... Um, uh, a sports writer for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, Bruins 2017 draft pick Daniel Bukak. So um, stay tuned. Hey, Bruins fans, I got a special treat. As, as many of you guys know that I've, I'm a huge prospect guy. And it's, it's nice to have the uh, Bruins select again in the in Canadian junior ranks. Um, with me uh, today is Perry Bergson. And he's a Brandon Wheat Kings writer for the Brandon Sun. Um, and you can find him at Perry Bergson on Twitter. Uh, brought him in today to talk about 2017 draft pick Daniel Bukak and um, how he's progressing in his first year of, um, of Canadian junior hockey. And uh, Perry, thank you very much for giving us the time today and uh, some insight on uh, uh, the big defenseman Bukak. Oh. Uh, Buki, as they call him uh, in the Wheat Kings organization, is a good kid. He's come a long, long way, and I think he's really got uh, NHL potential one day. Awesome. Um, he, I, I just started following him the day he got selected uh, in the June draft this year from Chicago, so I really don't know much about him. All I see is stats and so on. So what I really wanted to get you on today and talk about was uh, – your, the eye test that you see, what kind of defenseman he is, what kind of leader he could be, and overall, what kind of player he, he could bring to the Boston Bruins organization? Well, let's start with how he ended up in Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Um, the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, which of course has 60 teams across Canada and parts of the U.S., has an import draft every year. Each team's allowed two Euro players. And, uh, he was the final pick in the 2016 draft. The Wheat Kings had just won the Western Hockey League title and had graduated three of their top four defensemen. Badly needed help on the back end. So they, they leaned on him. He's from most Czech Republic. He was drafted six foot four and 175 pounds. He played all 72 games for the Wheat Kings. There was only a couple guys that were able to make it through the whole season intact. 
and he had two goals and 15 assists and 38 penalty minutes. Um, one of the really remarkable things for me, Mark, is uh, just think about back when you were 17 years old for a moment, because sometimes we forget these hockey players are people. Think back to being 17, not having a real firm grasp of a, the language of a country you're moving to, and then moving halfway around the world. Um, when he first arrived in Brandon, his English skills were rudimentary at best. And now I'm holding multi-minute interviews with him. So he's come a long way. He loves his time in Canada. Now it's just a matter of him healing from uh, the injury he had in the Western Hockey League offseason. Yeah, um, I saw him at this year's development camp uh, in at the Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton, Massachusetts. And um, I, I thought he was... I thought he was on point with his skills. I thought, you know, there was no game action, but you really saw most of his his attributes um, as, as a development player and what he could show to fans and, and the Bruins brass. But I, I thought that he had uh, he showed up. He showed uh, some, um, some a good leadership um, and, and and a tremendous uh, willingness to be a sponge and learn. But um, as you said, he was injured in, in April. Um, and in the when did he have surgery? Because I, I know I remember him being I, I covered him at the uh, development camp, so it must have been later on, correct? Yeah, he had his surgery. Well, first of all, he was hurt playing with the Czech Republic's team at the U eighteen uh, World Championship. Um, so they tried kind of a passive effort at the recovery, and then that didn't pan out. So later in the summer. Um, July, August, he had surgery. Okay. Um, he hasn't been active since. Um, although one interesting thing is, remember I said he was 6'4", 175 a year ago when he got here. Now he's 6'5", 207. Oh, so he is going into that man oh, He's put on 22 more pounds and another inch. Um, I don't think that I've seen many players in my time watching the Western Hockey League that improved as much from game one to game 72 as Daniel did, it was really remarkable. And sometimes it does take the Euro players a while to get accustomed to the Canadian game. Yeah. Um, one thing that I noticed, I mean, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm looking at his stats right now and, and he, I mean, for a big kid, he did, did pretty good in the Czech Republic. Um, it, it, when you're talking about that, um, that, that, that draft, um, the import draft, do you think that, Daniel would have been scouted as hard by the Boston Bruins if he wasn't in Brandon and more in the Czech Republic? Or do you think that him being in Brandon and playing last season was um, a, a better opportunity for Bruins scouts to see him and, and, and see what he can actually bring uh, to a North American game? This is hypothetical because I don't know, you know where and when Boston scouts and how many guys they have out. But I would think the fact that you're playing in the Western Hockey League, which is a high-profile development league, probably means you have more eyeballs on you than if you're playing in the Czech League. And again, if you saw him at the start of the season and saw him at the end of the season as he got more comfortable here, and who knows, maybe even with the English skills developing as well, um, maybe that's what brought him along. I think it doesn't hurt you, certainly, to be uh, playing in one of the best development leagues in the world. Yeah, absolutely. In the Western Hockey League, I, I've ever since um, 
the computer age and, and streaming was available. I, I've been watching a lot of the Bruins prospects like Jesse Gabriel and Jake DeBrusque and uh, a lot of those guys out there. I even got caught a couple games when um, when um, uh, Noel Patrick was out there uh, the past couple of years before the Philadelphia Flyers scooped him up. Um, well, speaking of the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, if the Bruins didn't pick Bukak up, uh, do you think uh, Ron Hextall and the Philadelphia management and scouting team would have would have jumped on him? They seem to pick everybody out of Brandon. Well, you see, Hextall is a Brandon boy. Right. And he actually with the Wheat Kings back in the day. And the teams have stayed reasonably close over the years. Uh, when Ivan Provorov was here, yep. Shell Samuelson, who was uh, – He's in their development, player development department, was coming out on about a monthly basis to work with the young men. Um, so there are deep ties between the organizations for sure, and I'm sure they saw him play a lot. That's awesome. Um, one thing that I've been reading about is uh, last season, a lot of the, well, not a lot, but a few key players on the defensive core have, have moved on, whether it be minor pro or professional hockey. Um, do you see when Daniel comes back to, to, um, a hundred percent ready to stop playing for the Brandon Wheat Kings, do you see him eating up a lot more minutes and playing a bigger role than he ever did last year? I think so. I think though, we're going to have to see, how, you know, when he comes back, what kind of shape is he in? Because being off skates that long, it's going to take him a little while to get back into game shape. Plus you add that 22 pounds and another inch. It might take him a while just to find his own way. Um, they've got lots of kids here in camp right now still with the team. So there's no rush to get him back. Actually, one of their uh, 20-year-old defensemen, a Brandon boy, is also out. So they're missing two of their top six guys. In the meantime, all these younger guys are getting iced. So certainly a hope when Daniel does come back and is ready to play and contribute in a meaningful way that he'll get his chance. Yeah, I'm... I'm definitely looking forward to um, to seeing him progress uh, this upcoming season whenever he returns from his from health and um, and and more development camps. As as I I plan my vacations around uh, Bruins events, uh, summer summer camps and development camps and main camps and rookie camps. So um, it's been it's it's been good to see a, a small sample size of. Um, of what he can do on the ice uh, in training, and and it, but it's different from the from the game aspect of of uh, of things. So, uh, is he more or less like a big shutdown guy, or can he pinch in and, and be that type of offensive um, threat, like maybe a Sedano Chara with his size? Well, I think what I would say about Daniel, he's a nice skater for a big guy. He's very positionally sound. He's not a big banger. He's not going to, uh, you know, wow you with the big hit. And to me, he, you know, the direction that the NHL is going in, Mark, is the play is faster and faster and faster every year, it seems. So he's got to play a little bit faster. But that was one of the areas that I saw him developing. Uh, you know, in today's NHL, today's WHL, the defenseman has to get the puck and make that crisp, quick first pass and get the puck moving the other direction. You can't be dawdling. You can't be playing east-west anymore. It's a north-south game. And uh, that's something that I'm going to be really interested to see in his game as he comes back. 
Yeah, it, 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 like you said, the transition game has just been so um, involved in, in, like you said, it's the uh, bigger, faster, stronger um, aspect of the game. So, um, how, I got a qu- off ice question: How long have you been with the uh, Brandon Sun? I've worked here for 25 years. I worked elsewhere for a bit during that time, but actually I'm on my third year in the Wheat King beat. Oh, that's great. Congratulations on your third year. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, funny. I just got here and had a championship team to cover in my first year. <laughs> that's Hopefully you can bring them some good luck uh, in, in the upcoming seasons as well. Yeah. Um, hey, I've got a clip of Daniel talking about the injury if you're interested. Absolutely. Let me play it, and hopefully it comes in nice and loud for you. Excellent. Thank you very much. It has to be especially hard because you just got drafted and you miss an NHL camp and all that. So it's got to be an awful feeling. Yeah, unfortunately, I I missed the NHL camp and the camp in Brandon. You know, it's uh, it's pretty tough, but hopefully, hopefully we'll be back as soon as possible. That's great. Okay, so again, this is a young man that wouldn't have understood that question when he got to Brandon. So, yeah, so, so his, his bilingual skills have uh, definitely sharpened up. Yeah. Well, that's you spend all the time, like Brandon is the furthest east market in the Western Hockey League, so it's got the second most travel in the league. You spend a lot of time on the bus with the other guys, and, you know, he's proven to be a popular member of the team. Um they really took him under his under their wing when he got here, and I think that's where the English skills really came from. Plus, he went to school also when he got to Brandon. Yep. Um, one final question, and I'm going to let you go, and we really appreciate the time. Uh, talking to Perry Bergson of the uh, Brandon Sun Sport. He's a Brandon Sun Sports writer. If you were a general manager in the Boston Bruins organization, and you're looking at the 2018 draft-eligible players in Brandon – who would be your first choice? Well, that's the uh, crop of 2000. Brandon had four 2000-born players last year. Uh, Caden Daly, a uh, really quick center out of Winnipeg. Uh, Ryland Bettens, he is uh, a pretty fleet winger. Uh, Cole Reinhardt is sort of more of a 200-foot player out of Alberta. And I think that... In a funny way, Cole kind of snuck his way onto the roster last year. He's got two or three goals already this year, has been playing uh, real frontline minutes, and he's a guy that I think might sneak past the other two more offensive guys and get a lot of looks. That's awesome. Perry Bergson, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Um, we, I, I'd love to talk to you again. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on on uh, Daniel's uh, progression uh, after his, uh, his injury. And when he gets back on the ice and, and you can see uh, his, his progression into another year, I'd love to talk to you again. Please do. Please reach out. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much. I want to personally thank Perry Bergson of the Brandon Sun-Times, where he covers the Brandon Wheat Kings of WHL. That was a class act thing to do to join us and give our listeners a little insight about the young Bukak. Um, got a nice little series going here. I talked to Craig Eagles. Uh, he covers the um, St. John Sea Dogs in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And uh, I'm looking at getting, I believe, Steve Coniano, so the, uh, the draft analyst, to join me uh, for next week's show to talk about 
uh, OHL forward and uh, recently named captain Jack Studnika. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. I will uh, um, try and hard just to get these interviews because I know people like them and I love doing them. So um, thank you very much for listening and uh, talk some bees next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold 277, at Court Lalonde, and at Rob Forty Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.